0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Summit. Now, I have someone very, very special that I have today. We have uh, the amazing Jack Canfield. Now, Jack has been in the space of uh, personal development and success for the last over 50 years. He has over 42 New York Times bestselling author. Um, he is probably voted he is voted number 1 success coach in america uh, and also is a guinness world record holder jack just want to say what an amazing amazing um you know introduction and 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 so glad that you're part of the summit
1: i'm really glad to be with you it's uh you know sometimes when people read my long introductions i get to realize how old i am but uh... <laughs> Who achieved all those things, you know, Guinness World Records. And I just discovered last night, just on the internet, just goofing around looking for something else, mm-hmm. that I was voted the number four motivational speaker on the planet, the number 24th best coach on the planet. So um, who knows? My my point of view is simply you do the thing that's in front of you. You do it with the greatest excellence you can. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, the next thing will show up, usually with a higher impact. You do that as best you can. One day you find yourself standing at the top of the mountain and you go, oh my, look what I did. And, um, you know, having published 220 chicken soup for the books having sold 500 million copies all around the world it's insane I mean I can't even contemplate it but like you I get up in the morning I do the normal stuff with my wife I come to work I go to bed I don't think of myself as anything special other than getting through my to-do list for the day
0: (laughs) well that's that's great honesty and I love that Um, I want to jump straight in if that's okay with you Um, because I know that you've been teaching success for quite a number of years through working with clients over over the number of years Um, i want to talk about a a specific principle that you learned back in the early days of where you actually learned the whole principles around success and I've, i've written down i times v times r principle maybe you could kind of enlighten us about what that actually means and how you well I
1: I teach a lot of different things and there are several different formulas that really make sense uh, i times v equals r there's a lot of ways to play that intention plus visualization equals realization uh, imagery vividly imagined creates realization the point being that my my first mentor was a man named W Clement Stone I was in my early 20s he was worth 600 million dollars would have been a billionaire by today's inflationary standards um, he was the uh, producer and uh, uh, what should I say? Publisher of success magazine. He was an amazing being. And he taught me the power of having a vision for your life and then visualizing that. So when I was in my young twenties, he said, I want you to set a goal that's so big that if you, unbelievable to you, but but so big that if you achieve it, you know, it's only because of what I taught you and that you did it. So here I was as a teacher in Chicago, part-time teacher, and uh, going to graduate school, I was making $8,000 a year. And he said, uh, so I said, I'm going to make $100,000 in one year, which is 12 and a half times more than I was making at the time. And he said, great. So I want you to have an affirmation. So at that time, my affirmation was, uh, God is my limited supply. Large sums of money come to me quickly and easily under the grace of God for the highest good of all concern As I easily earn, invest, and spend $100,000. Today I make them shorter, but that's what I did best them. And uh, he said, then I want you to visualize what would your $100,000 a year lifestyle look like? So I envisioned this house with Navajo rugs on the walls and having a nice car and a view over the lake and all this. He said, I want you to do that every single morning. He also got me to make a $100,000 bill about the size of, you know, how far my hands are apart, about this thick, put it on the ceiling above my bed. First thing I wake up every morning, I see the $100,000 bill. I say my affirmation, I close my eyes, I visualize. About 30 days into it, I have my first $100,000 idea. I had a book out called 100 Ways to Enhance Self-Concept in the Classroom because I was teaching uh, kids in school. And uh, I got uh, 30 cents every time I sold that book. So I thought, wow, I've only got to sell X number of books, you know, about, about, about 400,000 books, and I would make that 100,000. And um, But that was the first $100,000 idea I ever had. So... I started focusing on that, and my wife and I came up with some ideas. We started a mail order book service, so I would make three dollars a book instead of the twenty-five cents or thirty cents a book. Uh, we started then selling other people's stuff online. I raised my fee by three times. By the end of the year, I made ninety-two thousand three hundred twenty-eight dollars. So wow. didn't hit a hundred thousand, but I wasn't not at all upset. <laughs> it, when when it was this? Times was, this
0: was this back in the seventies? I mean, when was this?
1: This was about 1978, nine, somewhere in there. Yeah. And um, so my wife then said, do you think it would work with a million (laughs) dollars? I said, well, (laughs) let's, let's, let's experiment with that. And so I set a goal to have a million dollar a year income. started affirming that had an affirmation for that. If this was a live seminar, I would put up a, a overhead. Now a PowerPoint slide that shows a check written to me for 1 million Uh, $235,000. And it was my first royalty check for chicken soup for the soul. And so, you know, the reality is that this stuff works if you work it. And as we know now from all the work that came out when the movie, The Secret came out and all the law of attraction work, uh, Abraham, Esther Hicks, all that, that you have to infuse that visualization with emotion. So you want to see it as vividly as you can. This is where some people get screwed up. They will close their eyes, try to visualize something, and they don't really see it like they see a television movie, you know, high def, 4D kind of thing, and they think they can't visualize. You don't really have to do that. You simply close your eyes, and as best you can, imagine it, kind of think it, even if it's hazy. Mm -hmm. You know, you can say, well, would there be a couch in the living room? What color? Well, it's green. Can you actually see it? No, but I know it's green. That's visualization. And so you visualize it, hear the sounds you would hear, like when I visualized I wanted to have audiences of a thousand or more people. When I spoke, I would hear a standing ovation of a thousand people, visualize all those people jumping to their feet, I would get pictures <clears throat> excuse me, I would get pictures off the internet of thousand people audiences, five thousand people audiences. I in my life, have spoken to groups of twenty thousand dentists at a conference i 've spoken to seven thousand herbal life distributors, you know, and I can go down the list. I did a workshop in India for 3000 Herbalife distributors, not one of them spoke English. So three days we were translating into (laughs) Tamil and uh, it was a three day experiential seminar, doing exercises, motivational speeches as well. And uh, they loved it. And so that's normally what I experience out there. Then I started visualizing that I wanted to meet world leaders. Next thing I know I'm invited to the White House for lunch. A couple of weeks later, I'm invited to the Philippines to meet the president of the Philippines. Uh, and so then I go to Africa and I start meeting all these sheikhs that are running these countries, uh, Oman, United Arab Emirates, etc. So I know this works, and, but you've got to do it. And here's the last piece I'll say on this right now. You must do that for 30 days in a row without missing one day. If you miss one day, the next day is day one again. It takes. There's research on this from NASA, where they had these astronauts wear convex lens goggles, where it makes the world appear upside down. They wanted to disorient them to see if they could handle the disorientation in space. 25 to 30 days into it, every one of the astronauts, even though they're wearing these goggles 24 hours a day, their brain flipped the image right side up again, so they could actually manipulate being in the world more intelligently. Because imagine if you're trying to eat your breakfast and your bowl of oatmeal's up here but it's really down here and like you're trying to negotiate that. Whereas all of a sudden the brain, because it wants to rewire itself to be more effective, will flip it. So we know that it takes about 30 days to rewire a brain about a belief and about visualization and all that. It takes 66 days on average. This was in London. Uh, research was done over there to change a behavioral habit, like brushing, you know, flossing your teeth, getting up, doing yoga, et cetera. Right. So, But if you miss, the reason we say if you miss a day, subsequently they had some of the astronauts in another experiment take their goggles off on day 16, keep them off all day, put them back on day 17, took another 25 to 30 days before the brain flipped the image. So we call this the 30-day principle. Unfortunately, most people, when they learn these things, they don't do it for 30 days in a row. They do it for five days. Then a weekend comes, or maybe they get drunk Friday night, maybe I hang over (laughs) Saturday, they forget to do it. And then it all just falls apart, and they go, well, that doesn't work. It works if you work it. I always say the
0: principles work if you work the principles. But how – I mean, you talk about visualization, but how – if you do it for 30 days in a row, I mean, what, what? how many times a day and what sort of duration are we talking about here?
1: Very good question.
0: Uh,
1: basically, if you really want to nail it, do it three times a day. Do it when you first wake up in the morning. If you're a meditator, do it at the end of your meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're in a you're in a state where you're more connected to what we would call the quantum field, which means all, all thought. We have this sphere of energy around the uh, globe mm-hmm. where we literally can send, um, you know, psychic messages, if you will. Uh, we know that. That our brain sends out waves that are pick upable by other people. There was another NASA study where they had astronauts on the moon open up, they gave them 10 envelopes. And in these envelopes, there were different shapes, squares, circles, pentagrams, oblong shapes, whatever, stars. And then they would mix them up, pick one, record the number of the envelope, say number three. They would look at it for, they would open up the envelope, take the shape out, look at it for a minute or two. And then they would close their eyes and visualize that. And the students down at Duke University in the parapsychology labs would close their eyes at the same time and see what, you know, tune into the astronauts and see what image they were getting. And they got it way beyond statistical chance. They got it correct. So we know that 250,000 miles, your thoughts travel without amplification of any kind of, you know, electrical mm. equipment, radio waves, et cetera.
0: Wow. That's amazing. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, I want to, because I know that you've worked with, um, Merely, I think I think we answered this one. Actually, we. What I was going to say about success system because you have certain principles. We talked about the kind of I times I and, and whatever it is. Talk to us about is there a particular system or a, or a, or a, a methodology about how to actually achieve success for for yes. general public? I said general Joe blogs.
1: Yes, I will. I will share that with you real quick and. I'm not trying to be self serving because I don't know <laughs> how to any more money. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> but, but this is a book I wrote called The Success Principles or 64 Principles. <laughs> The people in England, when they bought the rights for the UK, they said that's too many principles. So they they scaled it down to 25 and they called it How to Get From Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. That's the name of the book in the UK. It's a red cover. Um, But then this year I came out with the Success Principles Workbook, which is 17 of those principles. They're the core principles. It's like if you're playing football or soccer, you have to know how to kick the ball, you have to know how to pass and, Mm -hmm. you know, use your head and block and all these basic things you have to do. So what I did was take the 17 core principles that are like a combination lock, If you know the combination to a lock, it doesn't matter if you're young or old. If you have a high IQ, low IQ, went to university, didn't go to university. It doesn't matter if you're Asian, African-American, whatever. So the lock has to open. The problem is most people are missing some of the numbers in the combination. So they're working really hard, doing a lot of the things that you and I teach. The problem is they're missing some of the numbers. And if you have a combination lock and you work, ten hours a day with the wrong combination, it's never going to open. Or if you have any of the numbers in the wrong order, it's not going to open. Like just the other day I called a phone number eight times and they kept saying this number is not in service. And I, I so I had transposed two of the numbers instead of four, five, eight, it was four, eight, five. And with that, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you do it, it's not going to work. So what I've done in this in this workbook is put the 17 principles, and we'll talk about them, in the order they need to be done. So that it's a sequence. So I call it a system. And the definition of a system is something that if you do the system correctly, every time you're going to get the same result. If you have a, a recipe for apple pie and you use the exact same apples, the exact same brown sugar or molasses or whatever your grandmother taught you to do, yeah. you preheat the oven the same way and you do all the things perfectly, you're going to get the same pie every time. Change one ingredient go from molasses to brown sugar or go to stevia or use these kind of apples instead of those kind of apples, or you forget to preheat the oven, you're going to get something different. Yeah. So what are those, what are those steps? So the first step you have to do is get beyond what I call victim consciousness. You have to get clear about being hundred percent responsible for your life. Like a lot of people you know as we as we record this, a lot of people are dealing with the covid virus right now around the world the pandemic they 're locked down they can 't get out they 're not supposed to get out the many of them can 't go to their jobs many of them have lost their income et cetera and so basically we want to blame something. We want to blame the government, you know, in America, everyone's blaming Trump for not acting sooner, you know, for not having all the masks we needed for not thinking in advance, you know, whatever. And so you can blame people for, for your life, but it's not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. There's this wonderful formula that I have in the first chapter of both of those books, which is E plus R equals O. There's an event in your life that equals, then you have a response to that event and that produces an outcome. So your happiness, your health, your wealth, your fulfillment, all of those things are outcomes of how you've responded to an event. So we're all having to deal with the COVID-19 you know, coronavirus event. That's just called that's what is. That's the mm. E. Mm. Sometimes we have to deal with the recession. Sometimes the E is your wife leaves you. Sometimes the E is you lose your job. Or the E is a new technology comes along and makes what you've been doing irrelevant up till now. Mm. So you've got to respond to that event. Some people are responding right now and making more money during the coronavirus than they were making before. Some people are making less. It's the same environment. What are they doing differently? That's what we really have to study: is what are the people doing that are succeeding? Just to give you one example, there's a man who owns a, a, a fitness spa. You know, where, where people come in. It's a gym where they work out on bicycles and ellipticals right. and treadmills and all that. And at first, when it happened the lockdown order came down. Nobody could come to his gym. Nobody could gather in spaces close to each other. And he thought, Oh my God, I'm going to go out of business. Mm -hmm. Well, in a meditation, a few days later, because I teach people when you're afraid, meditate. Because what happens is you take the energy out of your amygdala. You bring it up in your prefrontal cortex, which is where rational thoughts and creative thoughts occur. And so what happens is he had this idea, Oh, people still need to exercise. In fact, they even have more time. They don't have to drive anywhere they're at home. And so he called up all his clients and said, would you like me to deliver this equipment to your home? You can then keep working out. That way you won't need to you know, stop paying your gym membership. And I'll do Zoom classes like we did before for spin cycles, Pilates, yoga, yeah. weightlifting, et cetera. Fantastic. He said, he said in two hours, everything was cleared out of his gym. There was nothing left. <laughs>
0: it <laughs> does not mean so, he didn't pay any rent that's why
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so but the point being he's he's not suffering like a lot of people who just hung up the the sign and gave up right. so it's not the event it's how you respond if you're i don't know if you're married or not but let's say your wife forgot your birthday you could say well wow, my wife doesn't love me she forgot my birthday you'd feel bad That's the response, that's the outcome, feel bad. Mm -hmm. Or you could say, someone who loves me forgot my birthday, I wonder what's on her mind, I wonder why she's so preoccupied. Now you feel concerned, but you don't have low self-esteem, you don't feel sad, you don't feel bad, you don't feel you're rejected, uh, all that. So basically, once you've got clear that you're 100% responsible, that everything you're currently experiencing is a result of how you responded to an earlier event, and everything you're going to f- experience in the future is how you respond to what's going on now. No blaming, no complaining, no excuse making. The second thing you have to do is you have to get clear, what is my purpose? What, why am I here? What am I about? And I believe that every person is born with a life purpose that they're meant to fulfill. Now, there are many forms that you can fulfill that in. Maybe your purpose is to bring joy and love to the world. You could be a comedian. You could be a nurse with a great sense of humor that goes into hospitals. There's a bus driver in Connecticut that literally drives people to work in the morning. They get on his bus and they go down to town. And he has one of those microphones they often have on tour buses. And he tells jokes. He watches all the late shows at night. So he has... (laughs) and things to comment about politics that are funny. And people, they love to be on his bus. In fact, some people will go to work 10 minutes later because they want to be on his bus, not (laughs) a bus that would get in there early. (laughs) He's fulfilling his purpose of uplifting people through joy. I have a huge purpose, which is to inspire and empower people to live their highest vision in a context of love and joy. Mm-hmm. So I inspire with chicken soup for the soul stories. I empower with tools like you're in the success principles books so that you and everyone else who reads them can live a life of your vision. What's your highest vision for you? Not what the Pope thinks, not what your mom wanted for you, not what your dad thought you should do, mm-hmm. etc. So basically the book that I have, it tells you how to get in touch with your life purpose. One way is to review all the times you experience joy in your life, because joy is feedback that you're on purpose. Another technique is to think of two ways, two, two things you would say are your top qualities, minor love and joy. My wife is spontaneity and authenticity. So my wife, if you met her, what you see is what you get. She's not going to withhold anything. <laughs> I've been, I've been walking down beaches with her sometimes where we didn't have a bathing suit. She decides she wants to go swimming. She strips naked, jumps into water. <laughs> I stand on the shore guarding her clothes, looking, her. <laughs> she just, you know, and she doesn't care. But what she does is she's a daymaker. She makes people's day because she's so authentic and so spontaneous. And uh, we were just talking this morning about this, that two of her friends, anytime she leaves a phone message, they never erase them. Because when she leaves a phone message, it's kind of like Robin Williams called you up and entertained you for like two minutes before she hung up again. And so it's not like change the world, feed the homeless, you know, end the global warming. But she's doing it in her sphere of influence and and making a day. So it doesn't matter, like if your purpose may be to raise three healthy children, and that's enough. For someone else, it's to end homelessness in London. So right. once you know your purpose, then you have to then send, what's the vision of my life that's going to fulfill that purpose? And then will meet all my needs in terms of money, relationships, professional success, mm. health and fitness, fun and recreation, because that's really important, right. making a difference in the world. And then what spiritual and emotional growth do I want? And what possessions do I want to own? Now, once you've clarified all of that for you, then you can make goals. Many people will listen to, you know, summits like this, and they'll start to set goals before they've clarified their purpose and before they've clarified their vision. And as Stephen Covey probably, he said, you probably heard it, you don't want to get to the top of the ladder and find out the ladder's leaning against the wrong wall. And a lot of people have gotten what they call successful, meaning they made money, they're well known, they have power, but they're not happy. They're not fulfilled, because they weren't really doing their purpose. You know, their dad said, you should go be a doctor. And what they really wanted to do was be an auto mechanic and build race cars. And so because the last three generations of family have been doctors, actually had a client like that who had terrible migraine headaches. And uh, when we were, when I was coaching him and when we went deeper, he really wanted to be working on cars and in his family, that would be seen as a lower, you know, Greasy grease monkey kind of job, and he had all his brothers would gone to medical school. His dad had gone, and he became an anesthesiologist, which is fascinating because what do anesthesiologists do, they numb you out, and so he was numbing himself out in order to not feel the pain. But the pain would come up as migraine headaches. When he finally realized what the headaches were telling him, this is not for me. He went and opened a garage, started working with race cars and rebuilding old cars and stuff, you know, classic cars. Migraines went away that we set goals, which are how much by when. In other words, for me, I can't just say I want a nice house on the ocean. My mind's going, what's ocean? What's a nice house, Because But if I say I will own a 3000 square foot house on Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu by January 3rd, 2022 at 5 p.m., now I have a specific measurable goal, my subconscious mind can begin to work on it. And then when I add visualization and affirmation to that, it then is like stimulating that every day opening up the creative process changing the um reticular activating systems Um, so for those of you listening to this who may not know what the hell that means your reticular activating system is a little thing at the bottom of your brain stem it determines what gets into consciousness like right now as you're listening to this you're not aware of what you're feeling in your right foot but as soon as i say right foot you can feel it now those sensations were streaming up your leg through your nervous system into your brain and said no that's not important we're listening to Jack or watching Adam nod up and down, you know, whatever we're doing, we're, we're, we're doing something else. Sure. And so, uh, but as soon as I say right foot, your brain goes, oh, right foot, and it can it lets it in. So when you have a goal and you affirm it and visualize it every day, you're reprogramming the reticular activating system in your brain to let in all the resources that are in your environment that you never noticed before to come in and activate and support you. So, for example, when I set my goal to make hundred thousand dollars in one year by selling my "100 Ways to Enhance Self Concept" in a classroom book, I was in my grandmother's bathroom, and I've been in my grandmother's bathroom probably, you know, once or twice a month for most of my life. And all of a sudden, I look down and I see the Reader's Digest sitting there. It says eight million readers in th- seventeen languages. I think mm-hmm. it said. I thought, wow, if eight million readers knew about my book, certainly a hundred thousand people would buy it. You know, right? And so, basically. That had been a background before. I never saw it. But now, because my reticular system was open, looking for solutions to my problem, my challenge, my goal, it jumped out. And I said, well, I should take an ad in Reader's Digest. Well, I couldn't afford it. It Turned out it was like $108,000 to do what they wanted. Well, they wanted six ads. They said to take six ads before people notice it, which is kind of true. It needs to be a picture. It needs to be full page. Let us write the copy $108,000. $108,000. Couldn't afford that. And then I'm at the supermarket. I see the National Enquirer, which is this kind of low level, you know, rag that they publish in America. <laughs> and, but it said 12 million readers weekly. I thought, wow, that's better than Reader's Digest. Again, the advertising money was way too much. But I kept visualizing being in Reader's Digest, being in National Enquirer. None of occurred to me. I could write an article for Reader's Digest. And then a couple of weeks later, I was teaching in New York. And this woman comes up to me and she says, I'd like to interview you. I said, okay, great. And I said, who do you write for? She said, the National Enquirer. I'm thinking inside, I'm hearing the sound from like Star Trek. I'm thinking, this stuff really works, right? And so they did an article about me. I started this little mail order book service I told you about. And then we started, I had to hire a high school kid to come in and ship out books every day after school. And our whole basement became a fulfillment center. (laughs) but that 's how it works, it, it, but you have to, it, your brain gets involved, and you 're sending out a wave through the law of attraction you 're attracting people to you, like that woman who interviewed me for the national enquirer right and It, it, start, it starts to get woo woo and magic, but it 's actually scientifically researched now there 's all this research on neuroscience, brain science, energy, uh, the quantum field, you know the quantum physics, and all that that backs all this up mm-hmm. so just to complete the system really quickly, and then we can delve into anything else you want, yeah. You've now, you, now you have to believe it 's possible you have to take, so we have to eliminate eliminating beliefs, we have to confront fear, which we can talk about in greater depth. We then have to take action because the two things that stop people from taking action are the fear of failure, the fear of looking stupid, the fear of loss and the fear of success sometimes. You know, the people will come to me and I won't be able to handle it or it'll corrupt me or all my well will come out of the woodwork and ask me for money, whatever it might be. Fear of being too public, fear of, you know, not having a private life anymore, whatever it might be. And then the limiting beliefs, and this is the part that is so amazing. So many people say, I've been doing this law of attraction. and for most people, they have these mental subconscious. They even know they have them. They were formed between the ages of three and eight years old, where something happened. They made a decision. It's not okay to ask for what I want. Don't don't stand out. Um, don't be a, a pest. Um, it's not okay to be alive and dynamic because your mother had cancer and was sleeping all day long, and you couldn't interrupt her. And you know, so then what happens is we don't take the action. So we need to, There's a whole process for identifying and releasing limiting beliefs. that's really powerful. Then we take action. All actions don't work. You have to respond to the feedback. Now, the reason Chicken Soup for the Soul was so successful, we sold literally, for the first year, uh, 10 million copies of the book uh, in America and gone on to sell 500 million copies around the world in that series, which is just insane, uh, is that every story that was in those books was read by at least 20 people, usually 40, graded on a scale of one to 10, so let's say you and I were co-authoring a chicken soup book. We'd have 120 to 140 of our best stories. Mm-hmm. We sent them out to this panel, Republican and Democrats, independents, non-voters, white, black, old, young, urban, rural, suburban, you know, Asian, different, different ethnic groups, et cetera. Sure. And what happens is I get, these scores back on a scale of one to 10, 10 that made me laugh. It gave me goosebumps, made me cry. I love it. You know, seven, yeah, whatever. Anything that scored less than a nine out of 40 people never made it into a book because we knew it wasn't universal. Mm-hmm. So feedback is the breakfast of champions as Ken Blanchard wrote the one minute manager likes to say. And so now I've got feedback. I respond to the feedback. I don't get mad at it. I don't cave in. I don't quit. And then I persevere. And if you do all of that, plus have an accountability partner so that someone that keeps you, accountable to doing the things you say you're going to do we'll talk about that in more depth and then the last thing i would say is the rule of five do five things every day for your major goal there's always one goal that's going to be the goal that breaks you through mine was have a best-selling book someone else that's get on oprah someone else that's have their own podcast you know whatever it might be so these are some of the things but this system when it's done in the right order in the right way and we can drill down on any of that or go anywhere you want now but that's really what happens, and that can be used to lose weight, become a millionaire or a billionaire, um, to become a best-selling author. What anyone wants to do.
0: I one one thing that had come sort of occurred to me actually, because you mentioned I, I know that you were featured in The Secret and you know the whole kind of law of law of attraction and things like that. But what is the big main difference in differences between the law of attraction? and manifestations are there any big real differences between the two or is it just the same thing
1: well a lot of yeah you know i don't know that there is but let's just talk within that arena for a little bit see if we can create some distinctions i think for a lot of people they thought originally the law of attraction was they just had to close their eyes decide they wanted something and then visualize it feel their feelings and it would come you know and i used to say you're not going to manifest a cadillac in your garage without taking some kind of action unless you live at the bottom of a hill and somebody's brakes go out (laughs) they can't stop you know and they just go to the garage but basically i think that that you action is required action is required i think a lot of people miss that message Mm. and then no, no one ever really addressed the whole area of eliminating beliefs that much so for for manifesting you have to have a clear goal what is it you want to manifest so if you read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, the first thing is you have to have a, a clear intention. What is it you want? I was in India for the whole month of February over there, studying with some different people. And one of the men I was studying with, who's, he was worth about $60 million. He was considered a guru. He was also an Ayurvedic doctor. He had a pharmaceutical company making Ayurvedic herbs. He's extremely, he's these to pace a day. it takes your pulse and within like two to, two minutes or less he tells you everything going on with you physically and then tells you what you need to take. He, then you go out and they sell you all these herbs. You take them and you get better. I mean, life-changing stories. of uh, People that should be dead now that are alive for 17 years later that I've met, that I know. So I know the stories are true. And he said, the secret to life is to know what you want. Know how to get it. Know how to enjoy it, what you get it. And so many people are not clear about what they want. So, and then also there are people who don't know how to get what they want, which is why the book, The Success Principles, was written. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who don't know how to enjoy it. We know there are many, many millionaires and billionaires who are unhappy. They're taking drugs. They're getting divorced. Their children won't speak to them and so on. And mm-hmm. so uh, taking action and um, – I just stop for a moment and pause because your your picture disappeared. I don't know if I was if you were hearing yeah. me or not. So I don't it, know if we're carrying we carry on.
0: Carry now. on. It's carrying on. Okay.
1: So so basically, first thing is to know what you want and decide. This is what I want and be very specific. How much by when? What's the date by which you want it mm-hmm. and when you want it? You don't have to know the how no so much in that stage of the game of just be clear what you want. If you do the affirmation and the visualization, the how will start to show up. It'll show up in the form of creative ideas. Uh, you'll have ideas in the shower when you're driving to work, when you're meditating, which I encourage everyone to do. Uh, you'll, you'll read some books and something will jump out at you that's a solution to a problem that you might not have seen if you hadn't set that goal. Uh, you'll be attracting people into your life. Maybe you're standing at Starbucks or whatever the equivalent is in, in the UK or around the world, wherever you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden that person becomes your business partner or your a client or your spouse a year later, you know, they're attracted in your life. And often you'll have weird, you'll have weird intuitions, inspirations. You'll be driving to work and you think, I'm going to go to that Starbucks instead of that one. I don't know why, but I just feel like it. And that's the one where you meet your business partner, or that's the one where you meet your best friend, or that's the one where you meet someone who has a solution to your problem. It becomes a consultant to your business, whatever it might be. So, was that me? <laughs> anyway, so um, that was someone being attracted into my life. That I probably
0: <laughs> <never expected laughs> By the way, that uh, was already <laughs> improvised. We improvised that, okay?
1: <laughs> Very good. You called at the exact right time. Uh, it's like paying someone to show up and ask you a question, like at the right time to make you look like you're important. Um <laughs> There was the guy, i just tell you a quick story. Um, the man who wrote swim with the sharks without getting eaten alive, Harvey McKay. Mm-hmm. And he uh, decided, he was having this meeting with Larry King and with Muhammad Ali in New York. And um, Larry King was the TV interviewer and Muhammad Ali, the great boxer. And so he went to the restaurant a half hour early and he paid the, uh, the, the waitress to come up about halfway into it and go, Oh my God, I can't believe who's sitting at this table. This is blowing me away. Harvey <laughs> McKay, totally ignoring Muhammad Ali and Larry King, who are like well-known celebrities. And then she, can I have your autograph? And she, he autographs and they walk away. How did they know you and not us? And he had just totally set it up for the fun of it, you know? <laughs> I, I, I Anyway. I, it's quite funny. That was So Go, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, we were, we were talking about manifestation mm-hmm. and then, you know, one of the things that, that's true is there are laws of the universe, like the law of attraction, like the law of reciprocity, like the law of supply and demand. There are certain laws that are out there. And if you understand those laws and you you use them to your advantage, you visualize, you affirm, you have a positive expectation, mm-hmm. you follow your inspirations, you follow your intuition. Um, the uh, Bon Jovi, the great rock and roll star, he uh, tells a story that when he was um, just a garage band and he wanted to become known in the New York, New Jersey area, mm-hmm. uh, he was listening to uh, one of the radio stations and it was like one in the morning. And the guy says, oh, I don't even know if anyone's out there listening at this time one in the morning on KNBY or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, geez, I'm listening. This was before nine eleven, where you could actually walk into a radio station, walk right up to the window where the guy was in the hold up stuff and say, you know, play the next song for Mandy for Jack kind of thing. And so he decides to go get a pizza and a six pack of beer and a six pack of Coke in case the guy didn't drink alcohol. And he drives over to the station. He walks in, he holds up the pizza and now it's about one thirty in the morning and the guy goes, come on in. So they're sitting there eating pizza, drinking a beer. And he <laughs> says, so what do you do kid? He says, well, I got a rock band. He says, Jenny good. I says, I think so. He said, you wouldn't have to have a demo tape would you. He says, yeah, I do. He said, well, let me listen to it. So between songs, when they're playing the normal stuff, you know, Elvis Presley or whatever it was on the radio, right. Um, he, listens to him on your earphone. says, wow, that's really good. And then Bon Jovi says, well, you said you don't think anyone's out there listening anyway. Would you be willing to play one of my songs? That'd be really cool to know one of my songs was played on the radio. He says, sure, kid, no,
0: no problem. So he's. Uh, and the, the switchboard lit
1: up like, who's this Bon Jovi guy? Where can I get his records? So basically the problem back then was if you didn't have a record, you couldn't get on radio and if you didn't have radio play, you couldn't sell a record. So it was, you were kind of in a catch 22. And uh, so he started doing that all over New York. And pretty soon everyone's listening to this Bon Jovi guy. He got a record contract as a result of it, started selling stuff originally in you know, out of the back of his car, like all these guys do. But that's how he followed that inspiration. And when you're clear using these these principles of manifestation, you're gonna get inspirations. I got the inspiration to write Chicken Soup for the Soul after about 25 people over the course of a month said, that story about the Girl Scout who sold 3,000 boxes of Girl Scout cookies in a year. Is that in the book anywhere? That story about the puppy, is that in the book anywhere? And story about the kid with one leg who climbed Mount Everest. Is that in the book anywhere? And I'm going, no, no, no. I'm coming back on the plane, sitting very tired one day from New York to LA where I was living and just a boom, put these stories in a book. And I did. And it took me a year to write that book, get all the permissions because some of the stories I'd learned from other people. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, it it didn't happen overnight. I'd do the rule of five, took 14 months before we hit a first bestseller list. But then we went to number one in the New York Times and stayed there for three years. Mm -hmm. At one point we had seven chicken soup books on the New York Times at the same time, which is how I got to get a book world record. Um, So the thing you have to do also though, you have to act on the inspirations. That's the thing most people don't do. Mm -hmm. They think, oh, that's stupid, that won't work, that doesn't make any sense, that's weird. Um, But that's really the part that I think a lot of people miss. Mm -hmm. And then ask for feedback, respond to the feedback, and persevere. Chicken Soup for the Soul was turned down by 144 publishers. 144 people said no over the course of a year and a half. If I had stopped at 100, I would not be here. If Howard Schultz, who started Starbucks, had stopped after 200 people turned down his request for investment money, mm-hmm. there'd be no Starbucks. Took 217 asks before one investor and one bank said yes. So it, it, that's the, the thing you have to realize. is Every millionaire and billionaire has a story like that, where they literally had to persevere against all odds in
0: order to succeed. I love it. Very cool. Just out of curiosity, um, the title of chicken soup of the soul. (laughs) I mean, it's a very odd title, but how did you come up with that title? Just out of curiosity.
1: Uh, It's a great story. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's illustrative of one of the principles I teach, which is inquire within. So basically, it was through meditation. So I'm a big believer that you can tap into a higher consciousness or whether it's your own higher consciousness, if you believe that, or if you believe it's God, the universe, source energy, universal intelligence, whatever you want to call it. Mm. And so Mark Victor Hansen and I, we had this manuscript we wanted to take to New York and sell, and we didn't have a title. So we each agreed that we would meditate for an hour a day for one week just asking a higher power for a title, and we'd wait to see what happened. So, Mark's much more hyperactive than I am. So, he would go to bed just chanting to himself, mega best selling title, mega best selling title, mega best selling title, mega best selling title. <laughs> and hoping that somewhere in the night that would come. Uh, my approach was to simply ask God for a title and then just sit in silence and wait. Nothing happened the first two days. The third day, I visualized this big green chalkboard came into my conscious, like at school. And this hand came out and I wrote chicken soup on it. And I said to the hand, I said, what the heck does chicken soup have to do with this book? And the voice responded back, when you were sick as a child, your mother gave you chicken soup because uh, it's got antiviral qualities we now know, you know, so forth. Right. And um, I said, but this is not a book about sick people. Well, this was in 1993 when the first Gulf War was happening and it was a big recession going on. then just like the one we had in 2008, 2009. Right. And so the voice said, people's spirits are sick. They're living in resignation, hopelessness, and fear. So I started thinking chicken soup, which is a healing thing for the spirit. That didn't work. Chicken soup for the soul. And I got goosebumps. And then I told my wife and she got goosebumps. I told Mark, he got goosebumps. We told our agent, he got goosebumps. We flew to New York, met with 21 publishers. Nobody got goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) They all said, that's a really stupid title and people don't buy short story collections. So... It took us, as I said, another, you know, 14 months before we actually sold the book. But that title became a brand. It won an international brand award Uh, when we sold the company a few years ago to an investment group in New York. Uh, for way over $60 million, uh, they were buying the brand as much as they were buying. They now have branded uh, dog food and cat food and vitamins and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Chicken soup for the pet lover soul. Oh, my goodness um, me. Yeah, yeah. But that, I'm a big believer when you don't know the answer to something, you know, how should I deal with this? How do I cope with that? Do some deep breathing, go into meditation, and then ask and sit in the silence waiting for the answer.
0: I mean, it's really interesting because <laughs> – my other half was talking about Adam. You need to learn how to meditate a lot more. <laughs> it's interesting. She's she's saying it's me, and then we're having this conversation. And I think I was having a conversation with uh one of our other speakers, and he was like, hey, you know, like uh, even Olympic Olympic athletes and you know presidents and celebrities, they use meditation, you know, and and there's you saying meditate, which is crazy.
1: Well, I'll tell you, the interesting. An interesting thing. I, I, I wrote the forward to two books last year. I have mean, Billionaire's Secret by a guy Rafael Badziag. He lives in Poland. And then I wrote a forward to a book called Homeless to Billionaire. There's a guy named Andres Pira who was from Sweden who emigrated down to Thailand when he was 19 because he just wanted to get out of the cold. And he ended up on the beach in Phuket, totally homeless. And um, someone gave him a copy of The Secret to look at and to read was a you know the book and he started reading it and applying it but the 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 point i wanted to make is andres himself and all the 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 21 billionaires that rafael interviewed took him three years to get to them or they're hard to get to these billionaires right um 21 billionaires 17 different countries 21 different industries fast foods uh, pharmaceuticals, computers, hotel chains, uh, mm-hmm. grocery stores. This so one guy opening three grocery stores a day in Russia. You what? Know. I'm, yeah, I'm telling you. What? And <laughs> But every one of these guys, and I think there's one woman, but all the, mostly guys, they all meditated. They all got up before 5.30 a.m., most of them by 5, and they all read for an hour a day, and they all exercised. Now think about this. Here's four habits that billionaires have that the average people don't. Most people sleep in to the last possible minute. <laughs> they don't meditate. They don't exercise, and they don't read. And um, so, basically, I teach as a result that I teach something called the Hour of Power, which is you know you've seen these books like uh, Robin Sharma's The Five A.M. Club or you know right. Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning, where you have these rituals you do in the morning, which include. Meditation. I meditate for 20 minutes minimum. Mm-hmm. Often I go longer because I'm just into it. Uh, 20 minutes of aerobic and 10 minutes of weightlifting for me in the morning, and then 20 minutes of reading, which usually extends to an hour. I've read 3,000 books in my life. One of the reasons I know so much is I've read so much, and then I've taken a lot of seminars as well. So you want to be constantly improving yourself. As I think it was Bob Jones said, if you're not busy growing, you're busy dying. And I think one of the things that keeps me so young, I'm 75, but I look like I'm 65, is (laughs) that I read. I'm constantly learning. Uh, People often say, why don't you retire? And I say, do what? I'd be bored. I'm having too much fun.
0: Hence the library behind you, by the way.
1: Yeah, there you go. And that's only a piece of it. I've got a whole garage that has literally movable shelves, like a library. (laughs) Mm.
0: Just out of curiosity, Jack, I'm not much of a reader. And it's not because I choose not to be a reader, but I'm more than... Audio video type of person is that
1: is absolutely that, fine
0: is that okay yeah okay fine
1: absolutely I, as long as you're bringing in information the 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 one thing with audio learning and vision and you know watching TED talks and YouTube videos mm-hmm. is there's not as much time to stop and think about what you're reading so um there's not, sometimes the integration of it doesn't happen as quickly uh, however. Uh, The the nice thing about audio, like a lot of people have bought my book, The Success Principle on Audio, and that's fine. Um, But they'll listen to it two or three times over the course of a year, maybe driving to and from work or while they're working out in the gym and so forth. So the good thing about audio is the repetition factor. Mm -hmm. And with the video, because I I do watch a lot of video, uh, you can stop it, you can go back. I was watching um, someone the other day, Bruce Lipton, who wrote The Biology of Belief. And he said something and I couldn't quite get what he said. And I was able to stop it and just scroll back a little bit and hear it again. So it has that advantage as well. Cool. And, very good. You know, we, we all have our dominance. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a visual person. I like to read. I like to watch videos. Um, some people are auditory. Some people are kinesthetic. They learn more by doing. And uh, as long as you're learning, that's the main thing.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. Um, just out of curiosity, um, I mean, the millionaires and the billionaires that you worked over worked with over the years and even CEOs, were there any common traits or attributes that these people had that common Joe blogs, Joe Public does not have?
1: Well, I think billionaires have a couple of things. Number one, they take a hundred percent responsibility. They're not blamers. They don't make excuses. They're also action oriented. They need to take action now and learn from what they're doing rather than trigger it all out in advance. They'll have it off. Every Microsoft program I've ever used, there's the error report to Microsoft. And, you know, I always say yes, because I want them to fix their programs. And that's why we get updates. But if they waited till they were perfect, there'd never be any Microsoft
0: programs
1: out there. <laughs> so the same with our books, every book I've ever written, we get feedback from people and we improve it. The first Chicken Soup for the Soul book, I wrote, I rewrote in Hell in the Colorado for three days, and I read every story out loud, slowly. And if it didn't read easily, because a lot of people sub-vocalize when they read. So if it didn't come, as one of my actor friends says, trippingly off the tongue, uh, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't sound good. You know, I was looking for I wanted it to, to read well. And, and our book won Book of the Year Award uh, the year it came out, beating out some really great literary novels, two of which I had read and thought were some of the best writing I'd ever read. Um, but we had written it the same way. I don't know if we ever did a chicken soup book that had quite that level of you know six times rewriting, mm. uh, but that first book took off and you know eventually sold over a hundred million copies because it was so finely edited over time and um so I think that's important uh I think perseverance and grit is really an important thing, just this not willing to give up way people give up way too soon, you know. 144 rejections for me. Oprah was fired from her first couple of TV jobs. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. I think it was Steven Spielberg applied to the USC film school two or three times and never got in, finally went to long beach state. Now he's on the board of directors of the USC film school, gives him a million dollars a year. (laughs) So uh, it's like, you know, if you give up when you fail, I always tell people, The word fall and the word fail, the only difference is if you take that one I, F-A-I, and you put a little thing on the bottom, you get an L. So fail, fall. Uh, What would happen if our parents had said, I'm going to let you fall down 100 times while you're learning to walk. After 100, forget it. I'm not going to teach you anymore. You know, it would be ridiculous. We just expect they're going to walk, and we keep doing it until they get it. I think we have to do the same thing. You know, a lot of – Authors will tell you, novelists will tell you that uh, they're told that they have to write three books before one really is that good because they have to practice. And so, you know, so what if the first book isn't great? If it's not rejected, you're learning how to write, mm-hmm. you know, if I was a psychotherapist for a couple of years. The first couple of sessions I did with clients, I, I I I gave one of them this check back. I said, that's why they call it a private practice. I was practicing in private. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but I got really good at it after a while. You know, I got really good at being a speaker. I used to be terrible at telling jokes. I got really good at it. I was a terrible storyteller. I got really good at it. Um, But it's practice makes perfect. And if you survive a failure, you develop self-confidence. Most people are afraid. And as Tony Robbins says, if you can't, you must, you've got to be willing to do the thing you're afraid of. And now there's two really cool things we have EFT tapping where you can tap on your fears and just tap away your fears. So literally I've, I've worked with people who had major phobias, people who took a train to my trainings and flew home because they were afraid of flying before. And in five minutes, a woman who was afraid to sing in, in front of a group, came up and did tapping with her, mm-hmm. brought up a guitar because I use a guitar in my own trainings. She turned around, sang a song to the group. She's now performing all over the Northwest. And that was five minutes of intervention. And the latest thing I'm most excited about is that we now have these things called, they've been around forever, but I wasn't into them, uh, essential oils. You know, there's certain scents, certain aromatherapy that you can do where we're now doing processes with people. And this is the most exciting thing about my work I'm doing right now is getting them in touch with the the, going back to the time they made a limiting decision that became a limiting belief. Mm -hmm. Have them inhale certain essential oils when they're in that space. Mm -hmm. The olfactory nerve goes right by the amygdala into the hippocampus where memory is and it literally the brain cannot hold a negative emotion and a positive emotion at the same time scent is the most is the is the oldest faculty we have as human beings in the brain the olfactory nerve uh, because we used to have to smell animals and smell prey you know and predators and so forth uh, now we have other faculties we can listen we can think we can plan we can be protective in many ways and we have technology we can use. So what happens is when you're smelling this essential oil, while you're having this traumatic memory or this time you had a rejection or whatever it was, the brain dissolves the negative emotion related to that memory. It becomes neutral. And I've been doing that now with with hundreds of people. And within like three to five minutes, we're like just disappearing things that have been traumatically holding them back forever. Wow. So there's no reason to have fear or, or limiting beliefs control you anymore. The technology is there. Anyone is interested, if you go to info at jackcanfield.com, just send me an email. Sure. Say I'm interested in learning about, you know, releasing negative beliefs. I did a call in January with 1,200 people on it and we, take, we took them through a process like this and over 1,000 people said it changed their life. So you can do 1,000
0: people at a time. That's crazy. The
1: technology allows us now with Zoom calls to do that kind of thing. So this is, we're... We're at a revolutionary time in history.
0: And fascinating. Um, what I was going to say, because we're coming towards the end of our interview and I'm conscious of time. Um, mm-hmm. What I was going to say is, I mean, you've achieved most, what most entrepreneurs would ever dream of. What's mm-hmm. important to you right now? Because I know that you know, we're, not, we're not all getting younger and things like that. And you're always learning. And I love the fact that you, know, you are still extremely active out there and you're, you're extremely giving hence mm-hmm. you being here and things like that. I mean, what's, what's important to you right now, Jack?
1: Well, two things are important to me. One is I, I just came out with this new book. I want everyone to read it. Um, and you can just go to jackcanfield.com and it'll pop up on the screen there. You can order it or you can go to amazon.com and order it. If you go to jackcanfield.com, you'll actually be able to get a bonus, which is an hour and a half a masterclass on success principles that I teach that I recorded a couple of weeks ago. Oh. And it's available to everybody now because the book just came out. And, um, but the most exciting thing is I'm training trainers to teach this work. I now have 3,500 certified trainers in 107 countries. So we've trained uh, 550 of those live. So it's a higher level of certification mm-hmm. and then about uh, 3,000 online. So we have an online train the trainer program came about because I was over in Iran and I was in uh, United Arab Emirates and Kuwait and Bahrain and Qatar doing this tour of the Middle East the Gulf coast, the Gulf area. And uh, what happened was they all said, I want to, we need this here. You know, we have this inshallah God willing thing, but we really need to start taking more responsibility for producing success. Right. And uh, we need you to train us how to do that. And I said, well, come to my training. They said, we can't get visas. Have you been paying attention to who, tra- who your president <laughs> is? <laughs> so I said, you're right. So we developed an online program which I wasn't sure could teach the same things as well as live. It turns out it can. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have 3,000 graduates. So my goal is to have 1 million trainers by the year 2030. And if by 2030, the population will be about 8 billion people. And if, if, if I have a million trainers and they each teach 1,000 people a year, in eight years, we'll reach 8 billion people. Wow. Now I don't expect every little kid in a village in Afghanistan <laughs> to learn this stuff, but it's possible. We have people teaching it in villages in Nepal, in Uganda, in Kenya, South Africa, etc. cetera. So that's my vision. That's what keeps me going. That's what I love to do. And that's love what it. my intention is. And people can find out about that just by going to train dot trainer.com or train with Jack.com or jack com. Cool. Cool. Um, what
0: I was going to say in, um, in terms of like, uh, a roundup or a summary of, 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 our, of our conversations because we've gone through a lot of stuff right but mm-hmm. just to, just to round up our conversation any sort of final thoughts
1: well i would say to you I always say this to people toward the end of my talks you know you have everything you need to achieve anything you want you've got the talent you've got the skill i don't believe you're given a dream without the ability to make that dream come true I think that's just the way the brain works. Now, you may have to develop some skills that you have, some talents. You may have to learn something you don't know. You may have to get a degree or a certification you don't have. You may have to partner up with people and learn some new communication and relationship skills. You may have to learn how to manage money better, whatever. But you have the ability to do it. Don't ever let anyone talk you out of that. And the other thing to know is there's no lack of technology available now. You know, whether my books or Tony Robbins books or someone else's books or whether it's someone else's program, go toward that, which you're most excited about. Trust your attraction to whatever teachers turn you on, whoever you vibrate with, whatever. And, but spend, I would say spend a minimum of an hour a day working on yourself. You know, I think it was Jim Rohn said, uh, if you work on yourself, you can become wealthy. If you just work on your business, you can make money, but you'll never be really truly
0: abundantly happy and prosperous and fulfilled. It's a fantastic roundup. Um, and, and, you know, Jim Rohn was someone who I personally admired, and obviously he's got long gone by now, but great guy. And and I know that our conversations, we could probably pretty much talk for, for hours on the end, and, and it's fantastic and whatever it is. So, guys, I hope that you've enjoyed our conversations, me and Jack. Um, what was I going to say is, uh, first of all, I just want to say a big thank you to Jack uh, for being on the Game Changers Summit, and I really appreciate your time today. My pleasure. And uh, guys, if you have, if you have any questions or anything whatsoever, feel free to connect with Jack on his uh, social media handles below. Uh, and also Jack has been extremely generous as well. Uh, he's also, there is also a little call to action button down uh, on his uh, author's page as well. So feel free. If you need it, have any questions around ask conversations today, feel free to reach out to him or whatever it is. And um, I was going to say, I hope that you've, Thoroughly look forward. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to having our next speaker on the Game Changers Summit, and we'll see you soon. Take care of yourself, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye.